is going on, true crime fans? I'm your host, Heath. And I'm your host, Daphne. And you're listening to Going West. Hello, everybody. Today's case was recommended by Laura, so thank you so much, Laura. And to our surprise, some answers have come to this case literally the morning we are recording this. We just happened to see the news on Google, so we have added the latest details about what is known about this strange story. And this case actually hits pretty close to home for Daphne and I because we live in this area where this case takes place. But somehow didn't, like, I didn't hear about it when it happened. Did you? No, no. Yeah. I, yeah, I never heard about it before. Yeah, when when I saw that Laura had recommended it and I looked into it and Heath and I looked into it, we were so surprised to see exactly where this takes place because nobody I know in this area talks about it. So... Thank you guys for tuning in. Let's bring some more attention to this story, especially as these developments are coming out. All right, guys, this is episode 303 of Going West, so let's get into it. You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. In November of 2021, a 39-year-old man vanished in Los Angeles during an Uber ride across the city in broad daylight. He texted 911 for help along his way, but when the dispatcher reached out, he didn't respond. He never arrived at his destination and was never seen again, despite his driver claiming he had been dropped off. But as of this week, some answers have come to the case. This is the story of Bowman. Bo Michael Mann was born on February 21st, 1982 in the small town of Post, Texas. He was the middle of three children, joining an older brother named Ben and later joined by a younger sister named Brandy. Bo's parents married young and didn't have the most stable relationship, so when the children were still little, his parents divorced and his mom Amy was left to raise them mostly on her own. But she started talking to a friend of a friend across the country in Massachusetts. This guy's name is David. And they wound up falling in love. So Amy, Ben, Bo, and Brandy made the trip from small town Texas to Oxford, Massachusetts to settle into their new life with David. And the family was incredibly close. The kids were so loved. And David was such a strong influence in the lives of Amy and the kids that Bo later asked David to officially adopt him. From a young age, Amy says she knew Bo was gifted. Coworkers later called him smart, driven, and resourceful, and he seemed destined to take the lead and to manage and inspire others, which is exactly what he went on to do. When Bo was in his early 20s, he came out as gay, and his mom was kind of surprised, but she was very supportive. And somebody else who was very supportive in Bo's life was Sandy Eggers. Now, this is a friend who kind of became like a godmother to him, and she was the very first person that Bo told that he was gay to. So Sandy met Bo when he was just a teenager because Bo was friends with Sandy's son, and she really picked up on how smart and ambitious Bo was, and the two began to really foster a relationship that was kind of like part mother-son, part mentorship. 
And Sandy remembers, quote, I was just very impressed with him. She even helped advise him when he was getting his company off the ground, saying, quote, I guided him on his business ventures and eventually he started his own business. And Sandy was right to spend her time mentoring someone like Bo because he continued on to complete training programs at both Harvard and Columbia universities. Now, in his 20s, Bo moved to New York City and settled there to work and see what the city had to offer him. Like many young adults, he started drinking and smoking weed, but then, as he familiarized himself with the party scene there, he started to experiment with cocaine as well. Bo claims that it got really out of control very quickly, and knowing that he had a problem, he entered a rehab facility and started following a 12-step program that he would maintain for the rest of his life. And this sobriety would play a huge role in his upcoming business, as we're going to get into here in a moment. So after he felt that he had his addiction issues under control, Bo eventually moved to Houston and found himself embedded in the arts scene there. He worked as the vice president of sales at Renaissance Art Associates, and he even owned his own gallery, which was called the Man Fine Art Galleries. While his career seemed to be flourishing, his sobriety kind of faltered, and it was in Houston that Bo relapsed and began experimenting with harder drugs. He was able to get clean again, but recognized that this was going to be a lifelong struggle for him. But even as he was grappling with it, he was able to turn it into his career. One year while attending the Sundance Film Festival in Park City, Utah, Bo was really craving like social interaction with peers that wasn't really centered around alcohol or drugs because he basically knew that it might trigger him. Yeah, and you and I have even talked about this. It feels really weird, but somehow it seems that most social situations, especially ones that occur at night, are centered around alcohol, which makes it really hard for anybody who doesn't want to drink at all, can't drink at all, or wants to kind of limit their drinking to to be able to, to do things without that trigger. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, in modern day, I think a lot of people are realizing that and they're they're trying to make more spaces for people like dry bars, for example. Right. You know, stuff like that. And that's basically where this idea of, you know, a social networking app for sober people was born. Yeah, so that that thought turned into his business. And then in 2015, Bo, along with three co-founders, launched Sober Grid. Now, it's described or it's been described as a, like Tinder for sober people, but connections aren't necessarily intended to be anything romantic, just more of a way to connect with other people going through similar battles. In over 170 countries, you can match on the app and start chatting with others. You can find friendship, build community, and talk about recovery. And the app is even equipped with an emergency SOS button that will alert users in your community that you're struggling and need to talk to someone immediately. That's pretty amazing, yeah. I know, like this this app is available right now for you to get. It's, it's free to use and you can upgrade to a paid version for supported care through a licensed addiction specialist. So, so that's pretty cool. Now, three years after their inception in June of 2018, SoberGrid purchased a peer recovery coaching service and began offering telehealth support and therapy on their platform, which was available 24 seven. With the growth of his app, Bo moved to Los Angeles to continue developing his passion project, although it was headquartered in Boston, but he just wanted to move to LA. But while visiting Austin once, Austin, Texas, in 2017, Bo matched with a man on Tinder named Jason Abate. Jason was from Michigan, but had also lived in Texas in the past and was back to visit for a wedding. But Jason was in San Antonio, so over an hour away from Bo in Austin, so they couldn't make a date work on that particular visit. But they maintained contact, and they were convinced that it would be something special. Jason remembered, quote, We never got a chance to actually meet, but we continued to talk for several weeks. Eventually, he said, I'm going to East Hampton. Would you like to meet in the city? Thus, the two met in New York City a few weeks later and drove out to the Hamptons for the weekend together, which is somewhere that they'd come to think of as their happy place. That weekend, Jason also met one of the most important people in Bo's life, Sandy. Now, Bo and Jason were enamored with each other, and Jason was proud of the work that Bo was doing, saying, quote, I don't want to sound overly dramatic, but he's kind of changed the world. 
Jason still lived and worked in Michigan, and Bo was living in Los Angeles, like I said, but he traveled very frequently for work, so they would meet up as much as they possibly could. And they really took advantage of Bo's just super hectic work and travel schedule, and they made the most of it because Jason said, quote, I think there were 27 different places that he and I had traveled to. We were always on an airplane meeting each other somewhere. On June 11th, 2021, after about five years together, Bo finally proposed to Jason at the Beverly Hills Hotel in Los Angeles, which I'm sure a lot of you guys have heard of. It's very, very famous. And it's there that they also decided that they were going to host their wedding, setting a date for just over a year away on June 12th, 2022. On Thanksgiving of that year, Bo was back in Texas visiting family, but he returned to Los Angeles on Monday, November 29th, 2021, flying into LAX. His assistant picked him up and dropped him off at his apartment in Brentwood, which neighbors the coastal city of Santa Monica. He picked up takeout from a nearby restaurant, had a quick visit with a friend, and spoke with his fiance Jason on the phone. And Jason remembers that Bo sounded totally normal. The only thing that was out of the ordinary that day was that his car wouldn't start. Jason remembered, quote, He had a great time, and from there, he flew back to Los Angeles. He told me that he loved me, and he wanted to adopt children with me. That was the last message that I ever got from him. The following day, Bo left his apartment at 11.20 a.m., having to use lifts and Ubers to navigate around the city because of his car troubles. He first walked to a nearby coffee bean and tea leaf for a drink, and then Bo decided to head downtown for an unknown purpose. He was dropped off in downtown Los Angeles near the Fashion District in an area known as Skid Row. And I'm sure you've probably heard of Skid Row um, it's, it's not a great area to be walking around. There's um, a lot of drugs. Uh, it's just not a very safe area. So after walking for a few blocks in that area, Bo called yet another car, and this time to North Hollywood. Now, again, like I said, it's very unclear what he was doing downtown. So some have speculated that this points to a potential relapse, but none of these claims have been substantiated. In North Hollywood, Bo headed to a spa to get a massage. And again, I mean, the internet is just rife with rumors about what Bo was doing. And a lot of people think that this is like a seedy massage parlor that offered erotic services and that this could indicate that Bo had been in a declining state of mental health. I don't know where people get that, but that's what people are saying. And um, maybe that day he crossed paths with dangerous people. But so far... This is just conjecture, and it was simply a massage. So after the massage, Bo left North Hollywood at 1.51 p.m., getting into a lift and heading toward a 7-Eleven, at which he arrived at 2 p.m. Now, this 7-Eleven is a very popular one. It's located at 11007 Ventura Boulevard in Studio City. It's right next to the 101 freeway. And also, I just want to kind of paint a picture. For those who don't know, North Hollywood is not actually in Hollywood. There's Hollywood, there's West Hollywood, and there's East Hollywood. Those are all connected, but North Hollywood is in a different area. It's actually right next to Studio City, which is just over the hill from Hollywood. So it is it is pretty close. But both areas, I would say, are they're hip. They're somewhat more suburban, maybe I would say, especially Studio City. That's actually where Heath and I live. So... Like he had mentioned earlier, this is super close to home for us because we have been to this 7-Eleven and, and the English pub right across the street like countless oh, yeah. times. Oh, yeah. that We've been to that 7-Eleven so many times. It's literally across the street from our favorite bar in Studio City. Yeah. So so he went to this 7-Eleven. This is a pretty good area. It's super close to Universal Studios as well, like half a mile away or something. You can like see it from there. It's so close. Right. Right next to the freeway. Really good location to just pop off from North Hollywood grab some ice, which is what he went to do there, and then head home. So it was said, I guess he told some people that the ice machine in his apartment was broken. So at the 7-Eleven, he got some ice and he also purchased a large soft drink. Now his mom, Amy, she has said that his vices since he stopped drinking and doing drugs were coffee, cigarettes, and diet Dr. Pepper. So this was a very normal errand for him. At around 2 p.m., the security camera footage at the 7-Eleven captured Bo carrying a large backpack, and the contents of his backpack were overflowing. There was multiple laptop computers that were kind of almost falling out of the backpack. 
but that's it's we don't know what that's about. It's just a, a detail there. Um, but he left the 7-Eleven at 2.06 p.m., so just a few minutes after arriving, and he got into another Uber. And then, 13 minutes later at 2.19 p.m., he texted 911 seeking help, but declined to give context or couldn't give context about the nature of his emergency. While on the 101 freeway near Laurel Canyon and Tahunga, which is very close to where he was at the 7-Eleven, Bo texted simply, quote, taking a trip with Uber, gray. But when the operator followed up with him, he didn't answer. And that text was the last confirmed contact from Bo Man. So what I think is really interesting here is that he made the point to mention to the 911 operator through text, hey, I'm in an Uber and the color of this car is gray. So that obviously, you know, from the initial standpoint, looks very suspicious or feels suspicious in some way, right? Absolutely. And something I want to mention just in case I forget later is, you know, if, if he was having a personal issue of some kind, you would imagine he would alert the driver, the driver would pull over, would help him, would call 911 if he was incapacitated, something was wrong with him medically, drug-wise, whatever it is. Like, if he was having some kind of issue, yeah. you would imagine the Uber driver would, would have pulled over to try to help him. But the fact that he is texting tells me that he cannot, for whatever reason, pick up the phone. So does that, like, that would lead me automatically with this information to believe that he is trying to do this secretly. Or covertly, yeah, yes. exactly. Because he can't pick up the phone and say, you know, I'm having an issue, I'm in an Uber, please help me. He is texting 911. That's a so, very, very interesting thought. Yeah, so let's just keep that in mind, because that, to me, is really bizarre, especially if he didn't say anything after that. And the only the only details he can give is that he's in a gray Uber and nothing else, then you would imagine something happened to him right after that. Yeah. And and there's what, like probably twenty minutes left of this car ride because it's about a thirty minute drive from Studio City to Brentwood or to Santa Monica where he's headed. So that's kind of weird. Yeah, absolutely. But let's let's get a little bit more into kind of Bo's life here. So Bo had a very hectic schedule, and his family, friends, assistant, and even Jason were used to going a day or two without hearing from him. But when a few days had passed, Jason really began to worry. At that point, texts to Bo's phone weren't even going through. Jason asked Bo's assistant to let herself into his apartment to check on him, but when she got there, she found no sign of Bo. So on December 4th, 2021, she filed a missing persons report. Tracking down the Uber driver was the very first step, but according to the driver, whose name is Kyle Abramson, Bo was just dropped off, there was no issue. Jason believes that Bo's fate was likely sealed in that Uber, saying, quote, You're not going to bring a melting bag of ice into an Uber unless you're headed home, and that's where he was scheduled to go. Absolutely agree. And again, this was would have been about a 30-minute drive, so... That would have been a long time for ice to sit anyway in a car. I mean, it's November, so it's not going to be like scorching, scorching hot, even though it is L.A. Yeah. But I mean, Studio City and Brentwood are both like cities and neighborhoods within Los Angeles. So it would have been about a 25 to 30 minute drive ish. And remember, he texted only 13 minutes into that drive. Exactly. And he never returned home. So... Bo's caseworker from the Los Angeles Police Department said in an interview with reporters, quote, The Uber is definitely being investigated. I can't disclose the details, but it has definitely been investigated. We have pending search warrants. According to his LinkedIn, Kyle, who's the Uber driver again, uh, has been an Uber driver since 2016. And he also owns a faith-focused entertainment company that he calls Burning Hearts Unlimited. According to the description, it says, quote, Burning Hearts Unlimited is the response from our generation to the culture of death we find ourselves in. Burning Hearts Unlimited is dedicated to the education of all about who God is, and more importantly, about the importance of developing a personal relationship with him as our savior. Burning Hearts Unlimited is committed to providing family-friendly entertainment and events in a world that is very anti-family. 
Burning Hearts Unlimited strives to help as many souls as possible get to heaven. Burning Hearts is a collection of people dedicated to spreading the good news of God. Now, according to Kyle, Bo was dropped off safely at his home on Berkeley Street in Santa Monica at 2.35 p.m., 17 miles or 27 kilometers from that 7-Eleven that he was picked up at. However, there were no witnesses who saw him getting dropped off or getting out of a vehicle, and he was not captured on any security camera footage. The only account that Bo's family have to go off of is basically just Kyle's. Also, I want to mention, we said that he lived in Brentwood, but Heath just gave you guys a Santa Monica address. We're going to explain this in a minute. This is actually not his house. Um, but again, Brentwood and Santa Monica, they spill into each other, but it wasn't his house he was dropped off at, and we're going to get into that. So while Kyle maintains his claim that Bo was dropped off in Santa Monica, his story changed in the aftermath of Bo's disappearance. After he was questioned the first time, he was brought back in for questioning again and said that he didn't remember driving Bo at all. Now, of course, you can imagine this guy is probably driving a ton of people. He's been driving for years. He is still an Uber driver to this day, apparently. Um, so maybe he forgot, but you would imagine if he was questioned about it originally, this person would have stuck out in his mind. Right. And I'm sure, like we said, that was the first thing that police did is they tracked down the Uber driver to see what was going on. So this was probably only a few days later. I'm sure he I'm sure he remembers. Yeah, and in the first account, he said, oh yeah, I dropped him off at his location. There was no issues. Whereas again, I, I just want to emphasize this because this is just the weirdest part to me about all this is that there was around 20 minutes of Bo in the car not responding to the 911 text messages after he said that he was in an Uber. So what was he doing for that 20 minutes if he was fine and well and was dropped off in Santa Monica? Right, exactly. That just doesn't make sense to me. But here's another interesting detail. So... Kyle's neighbors allegedly pointed out that Kyle thoroughly cleaned his gray Toyota minivan after having Bo inside it and then didn't drive it for six days. LAPD has not confirmed this account and has never named him as a suspect or even a person of interest, but that has not saved him from scrutiny. Obviously, you know, knowing that that was this is the last person that we know that Bo was in contact with, it just makes you want to know more. And it, we have a lot of questions for this guy, you know. So one commenter in the Help Find Bo Man Facebook group called him a, quote, hellfire and brimstone kind of person who may have had an agenda against Bo, who is, you know, an openly gay man and a recovering addict. But this is pure speculation. According to Jason and Bo's family, Uber has not been helpful or responsive in the investigation and has not publicly commented on the incident. And it seems to be the most likely assumption that Kyle Abramson could potentially be involved. As true crime listeners, you're aware of the dangers out there in the world. So why not keep your home as safe and secure as possible? Daphne and I do this by using Simply Safe. For award-winning security and peace of mind wherever your summer plans take you. When we get ready for our summer trips this year, I will feel so much better about leaving the house knowing that Simply Safe has our back, just freeing me from my constant anxieties. And also something I love is that their system blankets your entire home in protection from break-ins to fires to floods. And with indoor and outdoor cameras to choose from, you will feel safe any time of day or night. And Simply Safe is backed by 24-7 professional monitoring agents to help stop crimes in real time. Which is part of why they were named the best home security system of 2024. Simply Safe has given us and so many listeners real peace of mind, and we want you to have it too. Right now, get 20% off of any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com slash going west. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. 
Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything that you need to sell in person. I absolutely love Shopify. I launched my coffee company, Elders Coffee, with Shopify in December, and it has been such an amazing process. I seriously could not recommend Shopify more. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. And they really do. So what are you waiting for? Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash going west, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash going west to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash going west. Now, as many suspicions as there are towards Bo's Uber driver, Kyle, there might be even more toward a woman whose house Bo was reportedly headed to. Now, check this out. So, the home of the destination address was that of Joanna or Joe Good, not his own home, which we mentioned just a little bit earlier. So, according to her family, Joe was a multifaceted artist. She painted and she made jewelry. She was a singer-songwriter, and she was also a former model and an actress, having starred in an episode of Married with Children. But strangely, Joe claimed that not only did she not see Bo that day, but she had never even met Bo. And remember, the Uber driver is saying he dropped Bo off at this woman's house. And obviously we know this because that was the address that was entered into the app. So, in Bo's Facebook group, on which Jason is still very active, he made a post asking the community for more information about this woman that Bo had seemed to be visiting on his final day. But Joe weighed in on this matter, commenting, quote, This is me. I don't know Bo, and I've never heard of him before this, and I have no information about his disappearance. I wish everyone luck in finding him. Jason then responded, asking her to speak with him, which was a comment that went unanswered. Which I get if she's, if in her mind she's like, I don't, like, this isn't me. I don't know what you guys are talking about. I want nothing to do with this. I I don't know this man. If she really feels like that's true, I could understand why she's kind of ignoring the whole thing. But it's also like, this is a really serious matter. Bo's fiance is trying to get in contact with you. The least you can do is, is give them an explanation. If these people, this his family, truly believes that you were involved because your address was punched into the Uber app. Like, I feel like it's kind of the least you can do. Yeah. So a close friend of Bo's mom, Amy, who has, of course, also been an advocate of Bo's since his disappearance, then wrote, quote, That simply doesn't fly, Joe. Sorry, but it just doesn't. Jason and Bo's family are completely shattered over this. Bo is loved by many, and they deserve answers and closure. What if someone you love vanished one day and you knew where he was last seen, but that person refused to help you with any information she or he might have? Your heart would break, you'd be pissed, and you'd feel helpless. Have a heart, Joe. We're all consumed with the situation. Nobody's accusing you of doing anything, but you have to know something about what happened that day. We know he knows you. We know you have friends in common. We know he was dropped off at your particular address. A drop-off change he made while en route to somewhere else. So please, find it in your heart to come clean with what you know. And this is another really weird part of the story is that apparently at some point in the ride, it would be very helpful to know when during the ride, if it was before or after he texted 911, the address was changed. So he, I think he was headed home, but that feels unclear. And then the address changed to Joe's address in Santa Monica. Yeah, I'm really wondering why that address change was made, but you know, we probably won't know. Uh, we, we may never know why he changed the address. But, or did he? Right, or did he? So Sandy also echoed this sentiment saying, Bo has your phone number and was dropped off at your address on November 30th. How can you say that you don't know him? He obviously knows you. To which Joe fired back saying, quote, what would you like to know? His current status or what happened on that day? What I was a witness to or where I'm keeping the body, which really seems kind of petty. I understand that there are people that uh, may be coming after you on social media trying to find answers. But like, geez, where I'm keeping the body? Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? That's the wrong response. Yeah. Yeah. Not good. 
And whether that was some sort of callous confession or her just firing back at Bo's loved ones because she felt cornered, we're obviously not sure about. But many members of the Facebook group and Bo's loved ones continue to press her on details of that day, insisting that she knew more than she was divulging. Joe then wrote, quote, Like I've said before, I do not know this man, Bo. I was not friends with him. As far as I know, we have no common friends. I'm sorry, I cannot help, but I talked to the police many times. I told them everything I know. Though shamelessly rude to suggest whether I'm completely heartless or saintly makes no difference here. I don't know, Bo, either way. In response to other comments from well-meaning members of the group, she snapped, quote, with all this evidence, it's a wonder why a heartless animal like me is still free to walk the streets at night. And then she called another commenter heartless and pathetic. It's just interesting to me that Bo's family is claiming that Bo had her number, that they had friends in common, and she is saying that none of this is true. So I wonder how his family knows this if they... I mean, obviously if he was missing, so was his phone. So... Well, how did they know that he had her contact number? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I That's a good question. But obviously, with the update that we have for you guys today, hopefully more answers are going to come regarding this. I know. It feels so It feels so hard knowing what the news was this morning, that answers or more answers hopefully will be coming out. And here we are speculating on all this. But until we know, we must we must discuss. Yeah, absolutely. But it is, I, I do just really wonder about that. I really do. But, you know, sadly, for as far as it goes with Joe, at least, we may never know if she was involved because Joe actually passed away. So earlier this year on January 14th, 2023, she died from undisclosed causes. But based on her obituary, it appears that she, like Bo, may have struggled with addiction and may have even overdosed, though we're not sure. We're, we're kind of just thinking this because the end of her obituary reads, quote, The family has requested that remembrances be made in the form of contributions to Shatterproof, a national nonprofit organization dedicated to transforming addiction treatment, ending stigma, and supporting communities. But... In an interview with Dateline, Jason stated that he maintains that all signs point to Kyle, not Joe, stating, quote, that should make everybody nervous. Jason has done a majority of the legwork in this case on his own and frustrated, he added, quote, the thing that saddens me the most is that we really don't have any tips. We've done everything you can possibly think of and more. You have no idea how much we actually have done as far as trying to figure out where Bo is or went. Yes, we have gone through his accounts. Yes, we have pulled his credit report numerous times. We did a lot of digging and pulled a timeline together by going through his bank accounts, debit card purchases, and Uber receipts. What we found out was that Bo was all over LA the day he disappeared. He was in Brentwood, in downtown Los Angeles, in North Hollywood, Studio City, and then Santa Monica, according to Uber records and debit purchases. Someone had to have seen him. We need all of your support and your help. Please continue to share the Facebook page and share the flyers. And I think it's interesting with, with everything that Jason knows from him, like, like I just read in the quote, like, he and Bo's family did so much investigating on their own. And the fact that Jason himself is saying that he does not believe that Joe is involved and that he thinks that it has to do with the Uber ride, I would have to kind of agree there, at least from the information that we have. Because again, I know I've said this a million times now, but the fact that he texted 911 13 minutes into a 30-ish minute ride asking for help, didn't say anything else, clearly didn't ask the Uber driver to pull over or call 911 themselves, or else he would have done that, you know, and then the there would be a whole different story here. Right, like if, for instance, he had possibly relapsed and maybe had been overdosing in the back of the Uber. Right. It would be, you would imagine that it would be really hard to text 911 exactly what he texted um, and and not just say to the Uber driver, hey, can you pull over? I'm having an emergency. Like, please call 911 or Absolutely. whatever. Absolutely. 
And with that said, if that was it, with which people speculate that maybe he went downtown to near Skid Row to pick up drugs, like of course people are coming up with all these different ideas because we have we know very little about what actually happened. It like you're saying, if that was even the case, then he probably would have alerted the driver, or then you would imagine if that happened 13 minutes into the drive. How would he have been able to get out of the car safely and continue on with his day if he had overdosed in this vehicle? Yeah, I mean, there's that's the hardest part with this case is that there's so many. We have these little facts, right? And then from there, it's like you just break off and it could go in many different ways, many different theories, speculation. Uh, but really, we just don't know. We only have what we have to work with until more information comes out with this investigation. Absolutely. And that's why this particular story is so frustrating because just it doesn't make sense. Bo's mom, Amy, wrote on her personal Facebook, quote, I'm not a social media expert. I got on Facebook to keep up with family and friends, but never anything else. I will not engage in debates and other such nonsense, but I do have a favor. Everyone, please email Jill Hazelbaker. Senior Vice President, Marketing and Public Affairs at jill at uber.com. Tell her that they need to get involved in my son's disappearance. The last person to have seen my son was one of their LA drivers, Kyle Abramson, and Uber needs to be investigating this. To my understanding, there have been a plethora of people harmed or killed at the hands of Uber drivers. Now, another strange detail about that day is a mysterious login attempt to Bo's bank account. There appears to have been login attempts to his bank account 10 minutes after he supposedly was dropped off in Santa Monica. The timing of this email has not been confirmed, so it's possible that this happened before he disappeared, but there was a password reset link sent to Bo's email address, which is obviously suspicious given the timing. Amy attempted to track down the IP address of where this request was made from, but was unable to do so. Though she was pretty certain that Bo would have no need to access the account or reset his password. And Amy also found this pretty strange because according to her, Bo only just started cutting himself a paycheck and was accustomed to allotting most of the funds to the advancement of SoberGrid, so there wasn't much money to seek out in the first place. The Los Angeles Police Department has suggested that her son was simply just taking space from the pressure of his high-powered career and recent engagement, and that he would probably be back, though recent news heavily proves otherwise. But at the time, Amy remembered, quote, They told me I wouldn't believe how often that happens. But she said that she knows better that Sober Grid was Bo's baby and something he never would have willingly left behind. Amy also knows her son would not have abandoned his family and his fiance, saying, quote, He told me he would come home this Christmas. He never forgets their birthdays or Christmas. Because remember, this happened in the end of November, and she is right. Sobergrid released the following statement on their website regarding Bo's disappearance, quote, Sobergrid Incorporated founder and CEO Bo Mann remains missing. Last seen in Los Angeles early afternoon of November 30th, 2021. An active police investigation continues at this time. Our Sobergrid family mourns this loss and all are praying for his return. Bill built an amazing company and led a phenomenal team of talented individuals. The SoberGrid team continues to work diligently to protect his legacy and continue our mission. But get this. Hours before we're recording this episode, so on May 8th, 2023, the news dropped that the remains of Bo Man have been recovered. Very little information is available at this time, but here's a quote from News Nation. Quote, Bo Man was last seen at a 7-Eleven in Los Angeles. An Uber picked him up from the store and then dropped him off in Santa Monica. A text to 911 was the last anyone heard from Man. A Facebook page set up to help search for the missing 39-year-old announced his remains were found about a mile from where he was dropped off. There are no details on the circumstances that led to Man's death. Man's remains were found in the courtyard of an abandoned property on Santa Monica Boulevard, 
according to a police statement. The remains were identified using dental records and have been turned over to the Los Angeles County Coroner to determine the cause of death. His family believes that foul play was involved in his disappearance. So let's talk about this for a second. The fact that he was found a mile away from where he was supposedly dropped off and he was in the courtyard of an abandoned property. Like, does that mean that his remains have been sitting in an abandoned property for a year and a half or over a year and a half? That's kind of what, yeah, this leads and me to believe. And how were they found? Like, I, I'm just so interested to see as more details become available because this is the, there's one, uh, in this moment, there is one news article that has posted about this and this is the only information that is available. So I don't know if more information will be available tomorrow, next month, in six months, like we just don't know. But a mile away from where he was supposedly dropped off, like what does that tell you? Well, I think that would tell the police or give the police a pretty clear indication of where that Uber car had driven to. Because obviously they can track the movements and they can see like, hey, did you actually drop him off at this at this place? Or was he dropped off in a different area? Well, and it hasn't been terribly long. A year and a half obviously is a long time. It's not like this was two months ago, but this wasn't 20 years ago. So I just wonder now, now that they know where his body is, if they are able to somehow... If people in the area of businesses, homes, have security footage available from that time, now that they know where his body is, this could help determine, did somebody drop his body off there? Did he walk there willingly? You know, how hopefully with surveillance video, if they can go back a year and a half, hopefully the the footprint will be there to prove how Bo got to that location. Well, here's here's the unfortunate part about part of that is that when he was dropped off, there were no witnesses that saw him get out get out of the car, and we mentioned that there was no security camera footage. But At that, Joe's house, right? But that doesn't mean that there was no security footage on the path that Bo would have taken to get to this other location, right? So maybe it's possible. Maybe it's possible that there is security camera footage from around the area that his body was found. Also, I think it's very interesting that they were able to determine that it was Bo based on his dental records, and I'm sure that they're processing the scene right now, trying to find out, and also probably doing an autopsy, even though though there was probably a certain amount of decomposition there. Obviously, it's been a year and a half, but if they can somehow find out whether or not this was linked to foul play, like if there's any markings if there is you know anything right right that could really help the investigation so depending on what the cause of death would be like if uh it was uh gunshot related but also depends like you're saying um the the state of his remains it said a courtyard was he covered was he in the sun was he fully exposed like we we don't know exactly where this location is Okay, just pause recording for a second because I want to make sure that since we started recording this and we're doing our own little research this morning about what has come out, if anything has come out since, and there's been a few articles that have been published in the last like hour. So um, the Santa Monica Police Department actually released the following statement. They tweeted, On April 25th, 2023, the Santa Monica Police Department received information that human remains were found in the courtyard of an abandoned property in the 2900 block of Santa Monica Boulevard. And so that was, um, you know, a couple weeks ago. Yeah. So, you know, it took a couple weeks to determine that it was Bo and Jason. Well, and obviously based on the fact that they had to, you know, go through the dental records and do all that, I I would assume that it would have been at least a week or two ago. Absolutely. Well, it was April 25th. Right. And Jason has also talked to Dateline today, I guess, in a text. It says that he is absolutely devastated after hearing about Bo's death. He says, quote, I have so many questions and no answers. But Heath, what did you find? So on the Help Find Bo Man Facebook page, it basically says, uh, friends, we have difficult news tonight. Here's a statement from our entire family. We were notified by the Santa Monica, California police this weekend that Bo's remains were found in a grassy area about a mile from where an Uber dropped him off on November 30th, 2021. His identity was confirmed through dental records. At this point, 
We have no further details on what led to his death. So obviously we don't know the exact address, but I just looked up, you know, 2900 Santa Monica Boulevard and mapped it to the Berkeley Street address where he was supposedly dropped off. Which again was Joe's uh, address. Exactly. It says it's a five minute walk, a two minute drive and 0.2 miles away. The article said what about, didn't it say like about a mile? About a mile. Yeah. But again, I put 2900 blocks. So I don't know how, I don't know the exact address yet of where he was found, but this, uh, you know, looking at the 2900 Santa Monica Boulevard from the Berkeley street address, this is two and a half blocks away. So it's incredibly close, but I also want to mention this is, you know, this is not a rural area at all. The 2900 block of Santa Monica is in the middle of this or Santa Monica Boulevard. Sorry, is in the middle of the city. There's multiple businesses and restaurants around there's hotels, there's dentist office, apartments, there's apartments. There's so, so much stuff over here. So like, it's in the middle of the city. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's kind of when I first heard that his remains were found, I was expecting it to be his remains to be found in more, like a more of a rural area. But to come come to find out that it's like literally in the middle of the city is so strange to me that it took a year and a half to be able to locate his remains. Like did like how? All right. I, I don't know. And it's it's really bizarre. And I would I would love to know how his remains were recovered, especially if they were in an abandoned building with somebody doing work on the building with somebody, somebody just stumbling through this abandoned building and found like, I just am really looking forward to more details coming out. And I'm sure the family is too, to be able to finally figure out what could have happened to him. Yeah. And you know, a lot of people have speculated that potentially he could have relapsed back into drugs And, you know, that might speak to why his remains were found in this abandoned courtyard, possibly because, you know, oftentimes people use areas like this to do drugs. But obviously that's just speculation from, you know, a lot of different people, but not saying that that is the case, of course, but you know what I mean? It's it could be a possibility. It's still just so hard to to map out then how everything happened, why he texted 911 with 20-ish minutes left in the car and the, also the fact that if like if Kyle was driving the car and Bo was in trouble personally um you know if he was on drugs wouldn't Kyle know like wouldn't he have some kind of inclination that this guy is in trouble in so much trouble that he's texting 911 if that is the route and then what he gets to the address and then walks up the street and passes away like it that still doesn't make a ton of sense so and then of course why joe's house like there's just so many questions like jason said he has so many questions and still no answers yeah and i think you know in the coming weeks and months we're gonna find out a lot more about this entire situation obviously there's still an investigation going on they're still looking into the uber driver they're still trying to figure out uh why that address was put into the uber Like it's, we're going to find out all this stuff. I feel like coming in the next few weeks. Well, and there are multiple things that we were going to previously mention in this episode regarding possible other theories of what could have happened to him. Like some people speculated that he was seeing another man other than Jason and all these other things and that he, he went off on his own. But now that we know his body is found, we chose not to give particular theories because we know that he died and we know that his body is so close to where he was supposedly dropped off. And so now hopefully the investigation will really ramp up now that they have found his remains. Yeah, this this is one of those cases where, you know, sometimes Daphne will ask me like, what's your opinion? Like, wh- what do you think the circumstances are here? And to be honest with you, I really don't have an opinion. Like, this is just one of those ones where I feel like the information is gonna come out eventually and, uh, Hopefully, the answers will too. So Jason has been relentless in his pursuit of answers and continues to post frequently on Facebook in the group, Help Find Bo Man. And uh, that is a great source if you're looking for constant updates on this case. Um, He's also on Instagram at the handle at find underscore Bo underscore man and on TikTok at the handle at Dr. underscore Jason. He also hosts frequent live streams to answer questions and spread awareness. And Jason pleads, quote, 
I just want to know where he is. Please, somebody have a heart. And of course, that quote came before the news that Bo's remains were found. When we know more about his cause and manner of death, which are, again, still being investigated and could take weeks, if not months, to learn about, we will update this episode and post about it on our socials, so make sure to shoot us a follow as well. Bo is 5 feet 9 inches tall and weighs about 220 pounds. He has blue eyes and blonde hair and was believed to have been wearing a blue baseball hat, black shoes, a dark-colored sweatshirt, and dark-colored pants. If you have any information regarding the death of Bo Mann, please call the LAPD at 213-486-0260, or probably the more preferred contact is the Santa Monica Police Department, Detective Ismal Tavura at 310-458-2256, or you can email them at ismael T-A-V-E-R-A at santamonica.gov or the watch commander, which is 24 hours at 310-458-8427. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to this episode of Going West. Yes, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. And on Friday, we'll have an all-new case for you guys to dive into. I sincerely apologize if we sounded jumbled or anything towards the end of trying to piece this together since this news just hit this morning. Heath and I are still trying to get the full picture ourselves. Um, So thank you for bearing with us. And thank you so much for listening to this story. Make sure that you share, especially because details are going to continue to come out. And the family needs answers, especially now that they have his remains. Now it's time to begin his death investigation. So please share this story. And thank you so much for listening. And thank you, Laura, again for suggesting it. Yeah, obviously, if foul play was involved here, it's very important to share, very important to get some answers here. So if you do know anything, please make sure that you reach out to the contacts that Daphne mentioned. All right, guys. So for everybody out there in the world, don't be a stranger. 